This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. going on warriors this is your host chris just wanted to drop a quick trigger warning for mentions of suicide and any other explicit content that matt and i spoke about today hope you enjoy what's up warriors and welcome to another mental health movement podcast i am your host chris today i have a very special guest he had reached out to me on facebook Wanted to share his story. He is a fellow warrior and he is also a fellow podcaster. He is the host of Maddie C Sports for You and Me. Matt, how you doing, man? Good. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I, I greatly appreciate uh, you know, you reaching out and wanting to come on here and share your story with us. Uh it's a big step that not a lot of people want to take, you know. So I'm happy to have you on here. Appreciate you having me. Of course, man. Um, so let's let's before we uh you know get into the questions and everything, what made you want to share your story now? Was it just you were tired of holding it in, or where where did the the want to share come from? So what happened was um yeah, it's basically what you said. Uh it was just something I held in for a long time, and it's really seeing other people like not particularly famous or anything like that people telling their stories and telling um different aspects of their life that nobody ever knew because it's like there's so many stigmas that like if i say i tell my story that you know it's just gonna bottle you up inside so for me i never took that as a, as an attack and it was just i was waiting for the right time to say it to get to get my head into the space i needed to to, to speak about it so yeah. that's why i'm here well that's that's good man i'm glad uh glad you found that inner strength within yourself to to want to do this I, I remember when i first started telling my story i was in a really bad head space you know kind of i don't want to say it was a a bad way to express everything that was going on, but it was, I needed to get it off my chest. I needed to get it out of my mind because it was driving me crazy. And, you know, obviously that's way before this podcast and the group. So like you said, the stigma, man, sharing your story, there's a giant stigma around mental health still to this day that it's hard for us to even begin to want to share what's going on in our life. So I totally understand. Um, so let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. You had said you were 13 when you were first diagnosed with depression. Do you remember that day at all? And did a certain event, uh, kind of set something off in your brain to, I guess, look for that diagnosis? So the diagnosis actually was that I was bipolar 
depression, which in case which in the case I had was not true. I had just depression, wasn't bipolar. But at the time I was had a lot of anger that wasn't me. I was angry and just would get mad and throw things and get pissed off and um yeah so it was probably about two or three years believe it or not like when you grow older I feel like you you remember the time frame of when certain events have happened some don't some do in that case I do with you know it's like you're trying to not really a resume because that's a bad way to say it but you have the when this happened when this happened and when this happened so um that's when that started and um then going into high school it kind of was okay and I was doing um some stupid things like different kinds of drugs and stuff like that and um kind of just numb the pain really and um yeah so uh took me a big lesson to get past that and I feel like you know when you have that I guess diagnosis slash label you know just kind of like slapped on you you know it's got to like stick to the back of your head and just be like you know I have this wrong with me and it and it just forms that anger inside you like you said and you start self-destructing and you don't know what you're doing with your life because you feel like you have no control over it um mm -hmm. I remember I, I think I was around the same age when I was diagnosed with depression as well and it was at that time in my life where uh, you know, I was still processing my parents' divorce. I hated school. I didn't have a lot of friends. So I definitely can um, completely understand how you felt in terms of all that anger and not knowing where to place your emotions at. So being 13, man, that, that's such a tender age uh, mm -hmm. for anybody, mm -hmm. you know? And back then when we were kids uh i'm not how old are you again are you are you my age i'm 33 okay so you're you're three years older than me so um i wouldn't i know when we were kids when if we talked about the things that we were going through it was like oh well if you feel this way you're gonna go to the institution and you're gonna be given all these pills and this and that so holding on to that label of depression and all the feelings of what you're going through I'm uh, sure it just eats you up inside and just gets gets mm. worse over time. Um, well, to to add to that, um, that's you know we were talking about stigmas right now. Now I don't know if you've seen um, Requiem for a Dream before. Yeah. Um, and the mother um, going crazy because she was so into the the um, um, what were they um, weight loss pills. Right. And they, you know, that in my mind frame is like what I felt like being institutionalized was like, if you didn't get, that's how you were going to end up. And um, that didn't happen until I got really sick. And that, that vision of that particular her going like into electroshock, which if, if people don't know, that's not a, it is real life, but it's really not it's it's not that kind of thing and that's what that's what the misconception is with mental health like they they think you're batshit crazy all the time when in fact you're you're not like 
it, it takes a lot to, you know, tell the story, like I said, but Thank you. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think you lagged uh, towards the end. Oh, I um, I was just saying that you know, like, there's different stig uh, stigmas to this, and you know, you got people got to stop watching movies and shit and realize that um, not all of it's real life happening. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And. I feel the movies don't do mental health any justice sometimes because, you know, especially especially growing up, there is always that uh, not talk about what you're going through because, the, you know, like you said, the uh, this is what happens if you're feeling like this kind of thing. And like you said, it's not reality. It's there's people that want to help you. But absolutely. You know, I, I'm glad we're in a place now where we can openly talk about this and not have the worry about. Uh, if we're going to get locked up tomorrow because we're sharing, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so how much of an impact did the abuse that you mentioned to me in your story have on your early adulthood? So, um, as I said, I was drinking and partying. This was probably a year after high school. I got a job at, a, I met a girl from there. And, you know, eventually I said, well, I don't like you. So at that point, she went home and I got a, you know, I said I was uh, not going to see her anymore. So what happened was she said she was going to kill herself. So then the mother told called me, which I that clicked right at me. And, you know. I couldn't leave my house for like three days. I meant three months. I mean, cause I didn't want to like, it, it just impacted me so badly. So from then on, I, um, you know, then could, coming out of my house, I decided to do more drugs and all that. So it was a tough process. Um, yeah. Like to hear, to hear that you're, you know, somebody says they want to kill themselves because you don't want to like, you know, date somebody or anything like that. It was just that click button in your head and you like, you're just like, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. And it hurt for a while. And um, yeah, so after that, um, I, I went to the drugs again, like drinking and smoking weed and, you know, doing all sorts of stupid drugs. And Thankfully, I never got into the really heavy drugs like heroin or crack or any of that stuff, but it did have a lasting effect. And I don't know if that affected more of my mental health, but we'll never know. It's just right. something you don't know. So that was a that was um, something that hurt me for a short time, um, but I, I got out of it. But that's that's what happened there. Yeah. And, you know, it's. It's amazing when, well, not really, I don't mean to say amazing, like, wow, that's cool. Like, it's amazing to see how the brain reacts to to trauma. You know, we mm -hmm. fall into those coping habits, whether that's, 
healthy coping or, you know, unhealthy coping. And when you finally break out of those unhealthy habits and you start, uh, you know, trying to recover yourself from, you know, all the abuse you suffered, uh, all, all the drug use, all the alcohol, you know, whatever um, that you went through. And you look back and it's like, I don't know how much of a long-term effect this is going to have, but you're doing right by yourself now. You know, it's, it's yeah. amazing when you, you start like learning more about yourself and you start becoming more self-aware of, of, uh, of your surroundings and your, your inner self, you know, and uh, honoring your inner child is something that I, I always like to say to people because it's something that so many of us as adults completely forget about. Like, you know, honoring your right. inner child means, okay, what's best for my peace? What's best for me? And you sharing about your experiences and you uh, trying to do right by not only yourself, but your family and your, your peers and friends. So, you know, honoring your inner self is what I feel like the stage that you're at right now. And it's great to see. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it was something I hid for my friends for so long, like, so doing all the stupid things was kind of like, I'm just going to keep doing drugs and doing stupid shit until it was about 2013-ish when, you know, I got a, uh, what they call an OUI up here, opera by getting out of those drugs and getting out of that stupid stuff. So happily, I'm not in that party lifestyle anymore. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, so you, you mentioned in your story uh, that you have a daughter. Um, yes. When she was born, what was the first thing that you knew that you were going to teach her? Uh, you know, whether that's a life lesson or mental health wise, like, you know, obviously when they're newborn or when they're in the very young ages in their life, you know, it's obviously <laughs> you're, not, you're not trying to teach them everything so young, but what was something that you learned uh, about your experiences that you wanted to make sure that she, uh, she knew to either, I guess, avoid making those decisions or how to um, make better choices for herself. Um, I would say first off, I didn't want her to just pick any sport, but soccer and tennis and dance, and then we're good. No, but in all honesty, um, really the first thing I said is to myself was be there for my daughter. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but don't be how my parents were to me or vice versa. So, um, you know, I, I love my daughter very much. She is the reason why most of this, what my journey has been for, if, if I, what has, what happened to me in the after effect and doing what I had to do all stems to her. She's like my, my blessing, my, the biggest thing in my life is her. And, um, you know, but that doing the things I had to do mentally 
to to get my life back together was for her and if i had to do it again i probably would even though it was the worst worst time of my life that that's what i would do and um yeah it it's uh it's it's there's something that somebody told me and i won't say who but you got to do it as the past is depression the future is anxiety live in the present and you really won't have to you know have to think of it any other way which that kind of caught me i've i've used that for like what was the last interview like 3 years ago i was told that that's incredible that wow so so what is it again the past is depression the the past is depression the future is anxiety live in the present i love that that's that's incredible because it really makes you think it's like wow i went through that and it's like shit what's gonna happen tomorrow and oh my god my mind is blown right now (laughs) it's a good one keep it keep it keep it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I might have to have you send that to me just now. I'll forget it. That's that's a great one. Absolutely. Um, that's been the best advice I've had for that. How old's your daughter? She's four now. She's four. Uh, you know, I, I've always said to uh, any of my friends that are parents and that are great parents. Um, it's It's great to see so many people try to break those cycles that they were taught while they were growing up by toxic family members or more importantly their own parents uh you know Mm -hmm. i myself i don't have kids yet but when i do i know what not to do i know what not to say because of how i was treated growing up so you being a 33 year old man who openly talks about mental health for one breaks the cycles that however you were treated by your parents and and knows the right and wrong or you know the right language to uh i guess say to your daughter like you know instead of like screaming or whatever it's just like this is what you did wrong and this is how you can improve so like Mm -hmm. breaking that cycle is probably the most important part of being a parent it's it's really cool to see that you can use what you went through to become a better parent than how your parents may or may not have been Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so one question I wanted to ask on here, I, I try to try to bring into every podcast I've done if I have guests on. And uh, I know you mentioned it in your story to me. Um, how was your inpatient therapy or how was your inpatient hospital visit versus therapy? Because I know some people preferred one experience over another. And I know inpatient therapy is basically, you know, for an extreme, you know, like crisis uh, situation. So how was that for you? So this is probably the biggest question you got for me. So um, both honestly work. And that's what it was at the point where um, I told my work, I said, I, I got to go. Like, I just got to go. And I didn't really go anywhere. I just was like, um, this was like, um, this was months in the in the making. And um, it was turning into, I was 
crying every day, just overthinking, 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 overthinking. And there was a point where I was just like, I can't, I, 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 this is out of my control. Like I can't, I can't do it on my own. So, um, it was then I, um, was checked into an inpatient hospital. Um, it was minimum 10 days. Um, probably the craziest, uh, out of control thing in uh, 10 days. I didn't really eat that well. Um, I saw things that are like crazy guys talking to themselves, a guy who believe it or not was like needed to make like perfect symmetrical triangles and do all sorts of numbers and people, um, you know, uh, a guy was trying to kill himself with a plastic knife right next to me when I'm grabbing medicines. And, um, uh, then you, I, I was just so inundated with the, with the medicines they gave me and they were the wrong ones. So amazingly enough, what I found out was I had, a, it, I was taking all these steps before I went there and they gave me a list of the medicines that are okay. There was green light, yellow, or red. Red was, don't give them any of these at all. Green, he can take thing. And they give you all the medicines you can take and all you can't. Two of them they gave me, they weren't. But it was the only readily available thing. And um, so I I had those. And I, it's like, it's that. that's the one thing that, isn't really a stigma is you you literally wait for that next point of when your medicine is ready you wait for that and um it's tough because like i wasn't dependent on it but at the same time i was so um you know like i said go, seeing him seeing a guy try to kill himself while you're trying to grab your medicine is is out of control right and people talking to themselves and people you know like drawing and crayons and shit and like you know the one thing that i will never forget was i had the interview with the doctor and the coordinator and my wife was there and my wife was kind of the one to decide from them if it was okay for me to go and my wife said no but the amazing thing was even in my state that i was in i wasn't i wasn't in not in I was in touch with reality, but I still kind of wasn't. So I remember her being there and telling me, telling them no. And the reason was because she knew I was lying. She just knew that I just want to get the hell out of there. And um uh yeah, it was long and it was tough. Um, there was a lot of terrible things you see in there. There's a lot of personalities like bipolar or somebody like everybody has a story, but I never judge people, but it was some horrible things you see in there. I won't lie. I, I, I caught one that was kind of rough and kind of good at the same time. And I basically waited for one um, therapy class at night where it was a group group meeting where the other ones were kind of just non-essential to me. So um, after that, once I got out, um, there was some little things like, you know, PTSD kind of thing, seeing the shit I saw in there. And, you know, I had my, I, I won't lie. I had like, uh, it went from like 
it was a progression of slowly going down from crying like once like once a week then once a month and then it stopped mostly and um before that i was trying to do therapy but the therapy was not working because i was in such a crisis yeah but um the therapy helps out a lot it still does today i go every i do every two weeks and it's something that'll keep you open-minded and it gives you closure so i i totally say that both work but you yourself have to put in the work absolutely outpatient ones i um i i don't appreciate them because they're they're um all sorts of subjects that don't pertain to anything like um oh yeah girls telling girls telling me about their suicides and i told the teacher listen if you don't if you don't if you bring the subject up again i'm leaving they did so um some outpatient doesn't work a lot of it is uh drug addiction stuff like that um there's no that's the problem too is there's no definitive mental health one um it's more about suicides and stuff like that and you know, I don't, I, that doesn't bother me, but it didn't pertain to me at the time. And it was something that, you know, triggered the memories of the guy trying to, you know, hurt himself in the inpatient, even if it was with a plastic knife too. So I was like, holy shit, like, what am I seeing right now? You know, it's, it's interesting you brought up the outpatient thing, because I think I've told this story, uh, maybe once or twice on the podcast. Um, but I'll share it with you as well. Um, when I was 14, that was my first, you know, uh, attempt at trying to terminate my life, uh, mm -hmm. you know, had the means to do it. It was in high school and my, uh, mother decided it was, uh, the best decision to put me in outpatient therapy, the most, uh, useless and pointless, uh, thing I've ever done in my entire life. The, Absolutely. the lady that was there that I was seeing uh, she specialized in gambling addictions had nothing to do with what I was going through. Nothing at all. I didn't feel comfortable sharing what I was going through, what I, what I attempted, like nothing. And I didn't start seeing uh, a therapist or anything until I was 28. So 14 years of holding that shit in was, mm, was yeah. awful. And it's, it's great that you mentioned that therapy isn't for a crisis situation. And, and I feel people need to like imprint that in their minds. Cause like you said, you got to put in the work for therapy, but therapy is when you're ready for therapy, you're at that point of, okay, I know what I want to heal. I know what I want better in my life. And I know what steps I want to take, but I need somebody to help me with a blueprint versus inpatient therapy which is you know for a crisis situation like you were saying and they're there to mm -hmm. make sure that one you're not a, a danger to yourself and two that they can uh, you know hopefully calm your state of mind down and I wish I would have gone to inpatient therapy when I was a kid because it was never something that was ever even thought of and there was that stigma around being a being a teenage guy um uh, not sharing how we felt you know um but i i'm so glad you brought up the inpatient outpatient uh thing because it's something i never hear from anybody is 
outpatient therapy experience because yeah i'm really that's, happy about yeah that. that that's what that's what they suggest to you so i did do that but i was uncomfortable it was a it was a um people just coming out of uh hospitals like really really bad ones of like people screaming all night and day and bringing that up and and just shit you don't want to hear after you just got 10 days out of a um after out of uh inpatient program and it's not it's that's what people need to understand too it's not a fucking insane asylum or nothing like that it's a place for you to pretty much detox yourself from the world and calm yourself down really and um the one thing that really really sucked and 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 it was um some i did i stopped for a second was after effect so being on the wrong pills and being on a pill that did not work and was supposed to help um there was two of them so i had a medically withdraw from two so so the difference was between that is you know withdrawing from like something like heroin or something is something that you are withdrawing by kind of by yourself honestly and um medically withdrawing is you still have to take the pills to lower yourself so bad and they take usually a month so you think about it two pills so one month of of that and then one month of that it was literally the worst time in my life uh that it was a point it wasn't suicide but i was like i i felt like i was gonna die because it was so hard and so painful and your my emotions were going all over the place it, it was one of the nuttiest saddest craziest times of my life and um honestly i can't thank my mother enough for having me at her home and my father for being there for me at home um and it was hard the one thing um that never happens is my dad's just kind of a stone cold guy and he said he visited me one time there and I was in rough shape and I was told that he got upset and left and cried in the car. Take that, take that stuff because the, inter the internet shit is bullshit. Everybody has a different thing in their lives that it doesn't. So, um, yeah, so I am where I am today with with uh, my you know circle, my um, family friends. So it, it's I got a pretty good um, circle and it helps for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely important to surround yourself with people that uh, you know hold you accountable and also lift you up at the same time, man. So it's great yeah, to see where you're at. At now compared to where you were maybe like 10 years ago, you know? Um, yeah. Um, 2000, yeah. 2018 to now. I mean, I'm, I'm happier than I ever could be. And, you know, it's, it's still an everyday thing. It don't go away. Yeah. That's what people need to realize too. That shit don't go away exactly um with your current platform uh do you ever cover mental health um with sports or athletes um i actually have had 
one that I know I I didn't really well there was one where I um had a interview with a hockey player that was um both abusing alcohol and um drugs and also he was sexually abused as a hockey player he was um national national hockey league player he won a stanley cup all that stuff and the burden of what happened to him at a younger age was really something that he deals with mental health but he also uh, advocates and has a a program up in canada um to help with with mental health and he's trying everything he can do to do that um had some people with bipolar um depression all that stuff so i can relate so yes i've had a few athletes in in that in that uh realm um i definitely feel there's a really big stigma around athletes as well because again it they're they're given that chirp in the back of their head where you're not supposed to talk about this because you make x amount of money or your status as a celebrity so it's good to see people taking those steps to advocate for others going through what they went through so that's really cool that you have that platform for uh for others as well yeah it's definitely helps help definitely helps me that i can help them yeah for sure um what made you want to join in the podcast world? Was it uh, about this and um, and what was it about sports that made you want to cover uh, that on your podcast? Um, so around March, I kind of just this was kind of, you know, being a not really in a pissed off mode, but um, it was around March, like midway through March when the pandemic happened um and i kind of wrote a thing on my on my instagram and i think i said should i start a podcast and i got a vote that said no and i said oh really so um april april of 2020 i started um i have a big support group with that too there's a bunch of shows that collab together um mine i've so currently i'm in the press I'm living in the present. I'm still going with the, with the show. And, um, it's brought me to meet a lot of great people. You know, and that the, the networking aspect of podcasting is phenomenal. Um, I've had guests on here who work for NAMI. I've had people who are, uh, energy healers. Like it's, it's cool to see so many people, that are involved in, you know, whatever they're passionate about, you know, like mental health is my passion. And it started out with the the Facebook group that I didn't know was going to blow up. And one day I just decided, I'm like, maybe I should turn this into a podcast and see where it goes. And, you know, you reaching out to me, people on TikTok reaching out to me, like, it's crazy, like where social Mm -hmm. media is right now and how many people you meet. Um, that are just as passionate about this as you are. Yeah. And, um, you know, finding people that have the same appreciation for the, um, the podcast world is amazing. You meet a lot of people. You could be talking about knitting. If you like talking about talking with somebody about stuff like that, you can talk about it or, you know, like right now or, collabing you know not particularly sports but mental health you know so 
um, this is a big step for me to, to, you know, let people know, like, I have my story, but you know what, like, I have it, but I'll help you know, it, you know, so it's good, it's good to, you know, collab instead of, oh, I want the Joe Rogan numbers. I don't believe <laughs> yeah. in that. Sh- I don't believe in that shit. And that, and, you know, that's the most important part, too, because I remember when I was doing a wrestling podcast, because I'm a really big wrestling fan since I was like a kid. And when I first started doing that podcast, it was like around the same time everybody else was doing podcasts. I wasn't seeing any numbers on my channel, you know, anything over 10, I'd be lucky or, you know, whatever. And I got discouraged and I kind of was in that mindset. I'm like, well, shit, I'm not getting anywhere near 20 views. What's the point of doing this? Uh, That was like 2018, 2017 around there. Fast forward to now. And now I have that mentality you do where it's like, I don't need this amount of people I just want to reach whoever I can reach. If they love my stuff, great. If not, that's fine too. And I feel that's one of the most important parts of doing this podcast is knowing what you want to talk about and keeping it consistent. So it's cool to see that uh, there's somebody else that has that mentality as well. Well, that's the thing is people look at these numbers, man. And I'm like, okay, so that interview has... 48 okay and then this one has 5,400 views those are just numbers on your computer what are those numbers doing for you realistically right you know it's just like if you don't have a passion for it don't it's like people saying they have a million views on one thing they just started okay congratulations it's just a number to me so people just need to really look at like this takes a lot of work it it's not like you just grab a microphone and and shit like that you need a lot of steps to get into this game and yeah. you know i've i've loved every single second of it me too and it's it's a it's been a great and positive experience you know uh when i first started this podcast you know like i said it was just kind of one of those the group got to a certain number and i was like okay i think it's time to branch out um, when I shared it with my therapist, I'm like, Hey, like, you know, I started this podcast and everything. And she said that she wanted to listen to it, hearing a professional in the mental health field, praise what you're doing. Uh, you know, compared to when you started therapy is crazy to me. Like tomorrow will be two years that I started, uh, this journey with my therapist and, you know, two years from when I started to right now, has been the most surreal experience of my life. You know, I've, I've done and I've mm. experienced so many things that I would have never experienced before therapy, you know, and the mental health mm-hmm. community is growing more and more every single day and being part of this and being able to give a platform for people to share their story like yourself is probably one of the best feelings I've ever experienced in my life. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the people you meet every time you have an interview. Like I've talked to Super Bowl champions, Stanley Cup champions, uh, professional pole vaulters in the Olympics. Like it it just it's amazing. I've seen people that have gone to the UFC and I just talk with them. So it's um, it's amazing. And but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Just I, I don't care if you're a high school football star. Like it, it doesn't matter to me. The audience can be, or 
people can be on my show. I'm not, I'm not a person that's like, no, I don't want you. So it's, it's, it's the gr gratification of making yourself happy, not, not any other person making yourself happy. If you're happy with your podcast, keep going. Absolutely. Um, I didn't write this question down, but just to kind of bounce off of the original question. Um, sure. Have you ever tried to collaborate with a other podcaster who was maybe bigger and they kind of just like gave you the snooty reply like, oh, well, I don't want to step down kind of attitude and be on your podcast. Have you ever experienced that before? Um, yes, I have. Um, I was trying to deal with uh, um, an Alabama. They pretty much told me you're too low in numbers. Um, where another case where I've had um, an interview that I was going to post and they said, are we done yet in the middle of the interview? So I said, I'm not even going to post this. I've never really had a bad experience with the podcast besides that, that, and um, uh, yeah, basically those two. I mean, everybody else has been perfectly fine. I mean, I, I respect and like, some people have no answer because they're so busy or they're contracted by somebody in the sports world. There's a lot of contracts and different, they're owned by uh, radio stations and stuff like that. So um, that I don't mind, but other than that, I really haven't had a problem. That's crazy. You had somebody in the middle of an interview say that, are we done yet? Like I can't even like process that. That's crazy to me. I, I was just like, I don't care if you, whatever you have done with your career, which I, I'm not going to say who it was, but they said, are we done yet? And wow. I'm done and I'll never, that was erased from my t computer. So yeah. it's over with that now. And, and, you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, you have the same passion about whatever sport that that person does, or in my case, I have the passion about mental health and so many of these people in this community or just any, any community really where they look at them like, Oh, well, they don't get as many viewers as me. So I can't step down and, you know, help the little guy or help them spread the message. I just, I don't understand that mentality. I, I really can't understand why people claim they support a message, but don't want to, help spread the message you know what i mean yeah like it's i made a tiktok false, i said you know if uh all stuff right i i made a tiktok where i said you know if you charge money for an interview that's fine i have no problem paying money for an interview but you know you don't have to be snooty about it like no sorry i can't like how hard is that sentence you know what i mean yeah, I, I, I've had the luxury of not having to pay one for three years, but I, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it can be kind of rough around the edges if, um, if you have negative people and I really never have negative people on my show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, except that's for the, except for the one. Right. Um, so the next question I had uh, written down for you was, uh, so given your experience uh, from therapy before, how would you say therapy feels now 
that your mind isn't clouded with, uh, I guess, so much darkness uh, like like it was in 2018. So I will say one thing before that. So around the time when that girl was saying she should kill herself and all that stuff, I had a therapist at that time. And a month after, he says to me, um, why don't you go across the street and just look at her house? And I go, you're not my therapist anymore. And I was like, that is the most bizarre therapy uh I, I have no idea what that was, but it that was a darker uh, darker cloud on me than than it was at the time to say, hey, go to this girl's house and look across the street. Like, yeah, okay, bud. So Invite her to going dinner. off from <laughs> that, um, yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, with that in the so now that i'm not clouded with darkness per se um therapy has been a, a really great thing um it it's kind of like a um like a drain kind of thing like it drains like the negative stuff you may have had in two weeks you may not have but it like it's like flushes it out and it lets you speak your mind about how you're feeling so um therapy is a great thing it's not a it's not like uh how do i say it it's not like tony soprano where you're you know you know you you can't fucking tell me what to do blah and um it's just uh it, it you and that's the thing too that's another thing if you're trying to go to therapy you can't just pick the first one the first one might suck the second one might suck. You need to find the one that's for you and for you. It doesn't matter. Like you have to find that one because if you stick with one and they suck, like you're, there's nothing that's going to help you or get anything accomplished for you. So that's my advice to anybody in that because it took me a while and I found it and I'm sticking to it. You know, Better. I've Better. always said that. 2018. Yeah. I've always said that, you know, uh, maybe, you know, the the several therapists that you may or may not go through might be for different stages of your life, too. You know, uh, uh, the first therapist might be for, you know, when your parents got divorced. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the second one could have been like your childhood trauma. And, you know. So I, I don't think uh, having multiple therapists is, is necessarily a bad thing at all. No, not at all. Um, but I'm saying it along the lines of like, you see, if, if you just meet a therapist, you sign up to see one and you don't like them, you don't have to stay with them. You don't have this binding contract. Just find another one yeah. until you feel comfortable. Right. That's a problem with people too. They give up on that. So. Yeah, yeah, the the giving up thing is very real too, man, cuz when I moved back to Florida from New Jersey, uh I gave up on therapy after I found one because it was such a shitty experience for me. Um and I think I waited about 2 years when I got insurance again to actually get the therapist I have now. So, uh you know, I I'm on the same exact page as you with, you know, don't settle on one therapist regardless of the experience you know, ask questions, you know, ask them what mm -hmm. they specialize in and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I, I have to say I found the perfect one in um, a lot of good lessons. Um, like for me, it's like I'm judgmental sometimes. So I'm I'm assuming somebody's talking shit or I'm assuming like, you know, like, like, oh, he 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 probably fucks and fucks around at work and he doesn't do anything. That's my problem, but she always everything. Like you yeah. can't assume because it's not you. You're not the one saying it or doing the things. You don't see it. You don't hear it. Like just stop with that. And um, like I said, therapy is a great thing. Yeah, probably knock it till you try it. Yeah, I, I always like to say therapy isn't for everybody, but if for the people who are open minded to it, it may or may not be the best experience of your life. No, I had a really messed up one. <laughs> that guy was fucking weird. He was like from the Game of Thrones era. <laughs> talking about like, oh, well, the queens and things, they were all doing these crazy things. I'm like, all right, like this is the wrong therapy. I'm not in medieval <laughs> times. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. That's that's a lesson for all you people. Don't pick those type of therapists. Pick the ones that are for you. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, also to bounce off of that as well, um, you know, I, I said it in my last podcast, but I'll say it again. Um, if you feel like therapy is, you know, you've done it enough to where you, you're not optimistic about it anymore. You know, there's therapy goes beyond talking to a specialist. You know, therapy could look like, going to the gym and that's your therapy you know yeah. writing in your journal it's not necessarily talking to a specialist it's something that makes you happy therapy makes me very happy it like you said it's a drain it's 100 percent a drain and yeah. when you find ways to start healing life becomes so much easier for you in every single way absolutely and um yeah, it's just something that is a help to me. It may not be for somebody else, but it is to me. So, exactly. Um, so this is a this is a question I, I like to ask just for this month specifically, being a Suicide Prevention Month. Um, what does the month of September, being September Prevention Month, mean to you? And how do you feel you contribute to the mental health community? Uh, yeah. Um, so honestly, um, I, I feel the same way about mental health awareness month too, is for people dealing with suicide and for people dealing with mental health, it's not just a month. It's, it's a constant everyday thing. So yes, it's a good th it's a good thing. It's a good thing to get people aware and get people things. Um, but people need to realize that um, yes, it's a good thing to to appreciate the month and and you know help out in the month. But this is an everyday struggle for people, like a mental health month, uh, awareness month. Mental health is me every day. Yeah. So um 
you know, but I do support support those things. Um, I I had um, a family member who um, was very sick, had a lot of demons, and had had a big battle with that, and um, was just casually um, having a drink in the meds that he was or the i don't know i don't know what it exactly was did not combine good with just a regular alcoholic drink and he actually accidentally died in in his sleep so it is tough it's 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 stuff you find in your family that it hurts and it hurts outside your family too when you hear about somebody wanting to take their life it's a very hard thing because you like I hear from different perspectives and I hear it, you know, like, you know, they were going through demons or they, in somebody's mind, you don't know what they're going through. And on, on another standpoint, you got to, I consider an asshole saying, oh, well, you know, he was an asshole for taking his own life. Well, honestly, you don't know what that person was going through. Exactly. So I, I, I don't like that, but I do support the months. I just feel like it needs to be like people need to know that people go through this struggle every day, not just a month. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that hundred percent, man. Like I think a couple months ago, I'd maybe say three or four months ago, um, it was mental health awareness month. I believe that that is in May, June or May. I don't remember. I might be getting my months mixed up and we were talking on a podcast about the whole thing saying, you know, it's great that things are have their own month and that there's certain topics that we're talking about throughout every month. But like you said, there is something about mental health where it needs to be talked about every single day, not just, Oh, well, it's September. Let's talk about it. Now people die every single day. You know, people mm -hmm. uh, suffer from mental health struggles every single day. And you know, whether that's veterans, whether that's teachers, whether that's podcasters like you and I, like it happens to everybody. Right. And, and I always try to tell people, I'm like, you know, don't ever think that something can't happen to you because life will humble you really fast. And that's why I feel mental health should be talked about every single day because, you know, you could have a family member overdose, you know, or whatever, uh, whatever else they're dealing with tomorrow it can happen to you so right it's great having a month i i support it 100 but like you said it should be talked about every single day not just stuck to a month right because people struggle with it every day not just not just a month right exactly um so this is a good question I had written down for you, uh, you know, being being a guy like yourself and myself, you know, we have that big stigma around being a man. We're supposed to be the man. We're supposed to be <laughs> the rock of the family, the provider and never talk about what you're going through. Do you feel there's a stigma when it comes to uh, men's mental health? And have you ever experienced it firsthand? Um. Yes. Um, considering the fact of somebody was with me and they kind of had, 
I don't want to say a well, yeah, I'll say a breakdown. And um, you know, maybe you should go see somebody like a therapist or something if a lot's on your mind. No, I'm too, I'm too this, you know what I mean? Like I'm too strong for that. And I'm supposed to make an example because I'm the man or whatever. Um, to me, um now what I went through, um, I what that was a time where anger came back too, was after the fact of all that happening. And I kind of was like, um, when I came back to work and I said to people, um, I didn't tell them what happened and all that stuff, but I was like, it's none of your business and you have no fucking clue what I went through. Like no idea. And I, that was the 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 part in me that I was like, you want to be a man, try doing what the fuck I did all that time. You know, um, sorry for swearing, but no, um perfectly fine, man. Yeah, like all through that, like but yeah, like through all that, um, yeah, I think men have it. It it's 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 um it's it's basically like like what mental health is like long for a long time mental health was just taboo and so is uh men being or younger adults being um you know you know wusses or you know whatever like shit happens and it's like you know it's something where like it needs to be like hey it's not just men i meant women it's just, it's men too and and women have it just as bad. I've I saw it when I was in an inpatient. I saw guys who thought they still had their cat, and the cat was dead for like ten years. He was still looking for the cat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, obviously, there's a stigma that you know, there's there's men with mental health. Like, yeah, I've seen guys walking around drinking coffee back and forth talking to themselves. Like, of course, like it is a it is a stigma and. Unfortunately, I had to like see some different aspect of it that a like I call it normal, normal type of guys like us that would never see such a thing. Um, but in actuality, yeah, it, it is a stigma, and you know, I've have experienced it firsthand. Yeah, and you know, we we see the numbers. the The numbers don't lie about that at all, man. Like no. the suicide number, uh, the suicide rate for men is significantly high uh, you know with social media and the expectations of men and they're supposed to be the rock and providers of of the family and everything man and then all of a sudden when they're not that rock when they're not as strong as they're supposed to be the you know a divorce happens they lose the kids and then they fall deeper into that hole and society is just like oh well so and so was happy this day like I'll use him as an example every single time. Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. Yes. Post, they posted a picture of him with his family where he looked really happy, smiling, hanging out with all his friends and his kids and his wife, and then he took his life. You don't know what somebody is going through, male or female. No. Right, exactly. That I was will never say my trauma outweighs anybody else's trauma, but as a man, I can tell you, we have it. Our, the stigma around men is a lot uh, thicker than it is around women, you know, cause, and that's how society portrays it because it's true. You know, the mental health should be every day. 
every day should be talked about. Like, like we said last um, few minutes ago and men's mental health is something that has become more apparent and still not talked about. Look at veterans. Veterans is probably one of the best examples of struggling with mental health. And a lot of those veterans are men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that part of this podcast towards the end, but yeah, man, like the stigma around men is, is insane. And also the, you know, when I was in inpatient, there was a, I would say she was an older, like, or no, like a, a younger college girl who was supposedly addicted to weed and people were judging her saying, Oh, well, she doesn't deserve to be in here. She shouldn't have to be here. It's like, well, what the fuck is the qualifications for being in here? Like the girl's just trying to better herself. Like other people have mental issues. So it's, it doesn't, it happens with women too. So I wouldn't, I'm not just going to stick it to like what men go through, but women do have it too. So absolutely. Yeah. For sure, man. Um, so we've reached uh, the last question here that I, I'm really happy that you uh, brought to my attention um, because it'll bring me into my part of it as well. But you mentioned your shirt and how it has a significant meaning, meaning for you and for the mental health community. Can you share with us the meaning and the significance of uh, your apparel? So this is uh, called Kill Combat Gear. Um it was created by a MMA fighter, Sean Lally. He's a good dude. Um, works with the works with everything. Works with the Bruins. Works with stuff like that. And I'll just read his mission statement: was is to assist humans in killing their demons in all forms. We are here to destroy negativity, fear, and anything that does not allow you to grow. Which I believe because he's done so much for domestic violence, like every single possible thing, mental health, all that stuff. He's even reached out to me. I said, I'm going to wear your stuff on, on the show. And he said, absolutely kind of need to bring these stories out. So appreciate Sean Lally and his, his, um, his brand. Yeah. Man, uh, thank you. Uh, about respect. Thank you for sharing that with us. Cause uh, I think it's, it's important to, you know, it's not just the shirt to you and I, it's not just, this looks cool, so I'm going to buy it. It has meaning behind it. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, I was wearing a shirt um, from Staywear. You know, they're a mental health uh, platform as well who sells shirts, uh, tries to get the message out there for suicide awareness. And on the back of it, it says, trying not to fall apart. And it repeats that line uh, at least 30 times. But with every line, it turns into like an anxiety look. And towards the end, it says, you know, you don't have to fight this battle alone and uh, contact uh, this number if you're going through a crisis. And somebody's like, oh, my God, oh. you paid you paid X amount of money on this shirt. Like, why would you do that? And I pulled him aside. And I said, listen, like this shirt has meaning behind it. It's not just the shirt. And, you know, um, so it's mm -hmm. it's cool that it's not just something to wear to look fancy or anything. It has great meaning which brings me to the shirt that I'm wearing. Um, this is for the Till Valhalla project who works with the, you know, veteran 
mental health awareness. I have a shirt as well, actually. I have uh, the mental health awareness one with the green American flag behind it too. Nice. So I respect that brand too. Yeah. Um, I have the one that has stay so, on the front of it. It's definitely a good cause. Yeah, it's an incredible cause. Um, I have this one that I'm wearing now that says stay. Uh, you're needed tomorrow. And on the back of it, it mentions what a semicolon is. You know, that's used to end a sentence, but basically reiterates on the bottom, your story is not over. So it's Love suicide it. awareness. And it's also, you know, a little literature grammar thing too. So um, I have a quote here that I wanted to read from them, a card. So like a base, basically a thank you card from them. Um, and this is from Corey Schaefer, who is the founder of the Till Valhalla Project. Um, a hero never truly dies until the last time their name is spoken and continue to honor them and they will live on forever. And they give you a little bracelet, too, if you decide to purchase it, where it says 22 a day with the stars from the flag, uh, you know, significant uh, signifying the amount of veterans that commit suicide every day really high number i mean i wish that was zero but again like you and i spoke about man every single day it needs to be talked about not just right. a month um where can everybody find you on your socials yeah so so my socials are instagram at Maddie C23. I have another one, but I mainly use that one 100%. You'll find my sports stuff, uh, different quotes, whatever you need. Um, on Facebook, it's just Matt Cameron. Uh, Twitter, which I also don't really use, is Maddie23. So basically, just go on um, Maddie C23 on Instagram, shoot me a message or whatever you need to do. Um, also, um, occasionally I, um, I'm on my Facebook with Matt Cameron and you can message me on that too. And I'm sure you can get the resources to that too. Yeah. I'll make sure to post everything on the podcast description as well. Excellent. Um, before we end today's podcast, I just want to give you another, uh, shout out and a big thank you for doing this podcast. It definitely means a lot to me. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will appreciate it as well. Um, this podcast will drop next Tuesday. So the 27th, I believe that falls on. And, uh, I have one more quote I wanted to read to you guys. Uh, felt like this was a really meaningful, um, podcast or a quote for this podcast. This one is from, uh, Nikki, uh, Bannis. I, I apologize if I just butchered that name, but. You never really know the true impact you have on those around you. You never know how much someone needed that smile you gave them. You never know how much kindness turned someone's entire life around. You never know how much someone needed that long hug or deep talk. So do not, uh, so don't wait to be kind. Don't wait for someone else to be the kind for, to be kind first. Don't wait for better circumstances or for someone to change. Just be kind. Because you never know how much someone needs it. Like me and you said, man, you never know what somebody else is going through. Absolutely. Incredible uh, to read for the end of this podcast. Thank you again. 
Um, I will make sure to send this episode to you as soon as it drops. And I'll say to everybody on here, which I'll, I'll make you remember again, is the past is depression, the future is anxiety, live in the present. Incredible. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to get that from you as soon as we end so this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And yeah, if anybody wants to shoot me a message, by all means. Definitely, man. Uh, for all my listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this will be on Spotify and YouTube when I post it. And always remember, be gentle with yourselves and be well. Thank you for listening. Take care.